I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces. Hello, everyone. Before I begin, I want to be very clear. The content within this episode contains information discussing sexual abuse of a child, domestic violence, and incarceration, which some listeners may find triggering. I also want to state that this is my experience. I don't pretend to know what anyone has or is going through. I'm aware that the events I'm about to discuss can happen to anyone, and I'm aware that every situation is different. But today I will be sharing my personal experience and my journey. So in the past three episodes regarding sexual abuse, I talked about how it began. I talked about how long it went on. And in the past, in the last episode, I talked about how he was charged for another offense and put in prison. So there, my listeners may think that it ended there. Did I feel safe while he was in prison? Yes, I felt safer. And things happened back then in 1986 that wouldn't happen today. He sent me letters, and in the beginning, the letters were semi-nice and he wanted me to come and visit him and I never responded so the letters became increasingly more I could first sense irritability and then it was anger and they became more threatening at 18 years old I decided that I was going to go see him in prison. No psychologist told me to do that. Just one day I woke up and decided I wanted to go and get some things off my chest. And I would say from the time I was 12, continuing on till 18, this was a part of my thoughts daily. So I asked my mother if I could borrow her vehicle, and she said yes, and I drove five or six hours to where he was. And being naive and not understanding the prison system, I just went in and I said to the guy at the desk who I was here to see, and he said, well, are you on his visitor's list? And I'm like, visitor's list? What's a visitor's list? He said, well, you actually have to be on someone's visitors list. And I think the government goes through through a process to approve you to be able to visit an inmate. I said, no. And I explained the situation. And I said, I was just uh, down here to actually get some things off my chest. And he actually brought him over and stood in the room and allowed me to have a visit with him that all I remember doing is talking and telling him 
how I felt and not really listening to his responses. And then I left that day. And when I did, I felt a huge relief. I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I would say at that point, I felt like I had actually healed from it all. I was totally wrong. You know, was I healing? Yes. Was it a huge process that I really still didn't understand? And with every step, I thought, no, I'm over this. I'm, you know, I've moved past this. And then something else would come up. And he did get out of prison in my early 20s. And I remember one day there was a letter left on my vehicle outside of my workplace. He would um, show up at my house twice. And I actually had to call the police. And funny enough, the first time that he showed up, as soon as he got out of prison, it was very late at night. And I had seen him outside my window. And when I called 911, the same police officer that took my statement originally was the one who showed up. So I didn't have to do much explaining. Anyway, things happened like that for years. And he one day in my mid 30s, he was sitting on my car when I came out of my workplace then. And there were some altercations throughout the years. I remember my children were young and one was playing football and one was probably around four and we were all sitting, all the parents watching the children play football and my other son was playing with a little friend of his around a tree to my right, probably about 25 feet away. And as I turned to look at him, I saw this man walking up the trail and I just had a sick feeling as I did every time I saw him. And he poked me on the shoulder and told, you know, motioned for me to come over here and talk to him. So I was with parents my children played hockey and football with and I didn't want there to be any scene. So I got up and I walked over to this bush that he had walked over to and he was basically telling me that I ruined his life and, you know, kind of to watch out. And I turned and saw my youngest son running towards me. And he didn't get maybe within 10 feet and he just stopped in his tracks. And I don't know if he just felt negative feelings and he just stopped and looked at me and turned right around and ran back to the tree where he had been playing and I thought oh thank you anyway this man turned to the football field and he said which one of those is your kids anyway and I said you will never go near my kids and I no longer felt sick I went into mum mode and I just felt like protection and, you know, for them and he walked away. 
And things like that happened for a very long time. I remember once walking by him at a place going in to have coffee with my mother and he turned to me and he said, you got old. And I said, well, I guess you wouldn't be attracted to me now that I'm not 12. I don't know where that came from and why it came out of my mouth, but it did. So, you know, living in the same city, I would see him every now and again. And I remember one time seeing him and literally having to pull over and throw up. That was this reaction or... You know, I would get really shaky in my knees and oh, I just wondered when it would ever stop. And I started going to cranial sacral therapy and I'm not sure how many are familiar with that, but it's kind of part massage and it's, it's you know, the lady would just hold her hands on my chest and my back. And I remember this one particular day, I just started crying. And she stayed with me for two hours. And I remember being in that relaxed state and her asking me why I everything felt so dark. And I just said because I liked the attention. I liked how it felt for him to want me that much. And at that moment, I just forgave myself for that. And that is the hardest part. And we're all human beings. And I feel that people that are predators, they know the right things to say and they know the right things to do. And he definitely did. And I saw him two weeks after that session and I had no reaction at all. I didn't feel sick to my stomach. I didn't have shaky knees. I didn't feel that way. And, and that is really ultimately when I felt that I healed. I didn't hate him. I hated what happened to me and I had to get over hating him and really almost felt empathy for him. And when that changed in me, I felt free. I felt that there was no longer that huge dark hole. And do I have things that what I call lasting effects from that as a child? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, trust issues would be one not being comfortable maybe with body image would be too. There are probably a few things, but that can be created with an experience any of us have. It could be anything. So I feel that it probably 
was an everyday thought for me in some capacity till almost 40. And I'm 50 now, and I never think about it unless something comes up. But I think about it in more a matter of a matter of fact way. You know, if if I hear someone else was sexually abused, I feel empathy for them and what they're going through. And but I never hang on to what happened to me. And I'm not angry. I'm not cynical. I love my life. And it has taught me a lot. That situation for years has taught me more than I think any book I could ever read. And I feel like I overcame that in a way that I'm very proud of myself. I never needed to mask the pain and it hurt, but I allowed myself those feelings and I I never really beat myself up too much in my later years. And I think sometimes that's what we do. Because you own the part you feel you had in that. And even though it wasn't my fault, and I was very young, I still felt that I owned my own part in that. And I don't feel that way anymore. It was not my fault in any way, shape, or form. And it was his fault. And I don't know. If someone asked him today, I'm sure he would have a totally different opinion than what I do. And that's okay, too. He's allowed to have his opinion. But I hope somewhere he realizes how much he affected at least two young girls. And I hope that he is sorry and that he would not do that again. Because it's a life sentence for someone, for a lot of people who can't find the strength to move past all of those hurt feelings and I don't know why I did why I was able to, but I'm very thankful. And I'm sure there's many, many, many people out there that have overcome and 
to every one of those people, I want to say how proud I am. And for the people who haven't got there yet and have who and have struggled and tried to mask the pain, I want to say I understand. And And I'm very sorry. There's two more episodes to this series. And I will be interviewing two people that will bring so much clarity and information. And I'm so excited. Hope to... See you at the next episode.